Hello and welcome to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by Coors Light. Go from full time to game time. Coors Light, made to chill. Make sure you find the Raptors show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined in segment one by co-host Blake Murphy. Blake, how you doing, man? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Um, my nephew was born last night. Oh, so congratulations. I have a second nephew now. So that's been a, a fun couple hours for the for the family. And yeah. We got a name yet? Connor. Connor. So Nolan and Connor. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, well, congratulations to you and your family. Thanks, man. And I hope you get some time to... Uh, next week, I think. I'm off up. the show next Friday for like a long week. My dad's flying out from Newfoundland and everything. So. Oh, wow. That'd be nice. Congratulations to the Murphy family. <laughs> um, so for segment one, this is what we have for you because uh, I was able to get down to shoot around this morning at uh, OVO Athletic Center and uh, catch up with Raptors veteran Garrett Temple, which we talked about wanting to get a conversation with them. Uh, for people who don't know Garrett, uh, he is obviously a longtime veteran in this league. He's played for 12 franchises. Um, one of, like, I think 30 players left in the league, still born in the 80s, which is huh. a, a, kind of absurd to think about, but has crossed paths with a lot of great players, Vince Carter, Kyle Lowry, you know, tons of superstars, but uh, those ones obviously close to home here in Toronto. And it was just great to, to hear his perspective. So here's that interview. We are down here at Raptors Shootaround Friday morning with Raptors shooting guard Garrett Temple. Garrett, thanks for joining us on the show, man. Appreciate you having me, man. Great to be here. Yeah, so really want to get into a few conversations with you about your role in the Raptors, uh, about your journey through 12 teams in 14 years, about and about generational differences in the NBA right now, because I think it's actually really funny. Um, and I, I'm going to hit you with a little surprise, too. But we'll start here on the Raptors, right? So... Take me through the conversations with Bobby and Masai this summer, right? When, when, they, when they pitched you to, to come on the team, what do they tell you about sort of your role and sort of like their expectations for how this is going to go? Well, um, you know, Masai and I actually got – we met and exchanged numbers um, just as, as, as friends in, um, I want to say, in 2018 uh, at – in South, in South Africa. So we had known each other, and then we saw each other again summer before last at an event in, Fort, in uh, Florida, uh, a black leadership event. And, you know, he told me whenever, whatever, you know, just in general, whenever you have any questions about the league or mm-hmm. anything like that, hit me up, you know. Um, and then this opportunity came up and uh, when I was released by the Pelicans, and they were the first team to call. Um, Darko called, uh, told me he admired me from before. Uh, and then, um, you know, I talked to Bobby and Masai, and, and they told me they wanted me to be a, a veteran leader, to be a guy that, that's ready to play whenever my name is called. But first and foremost, be a guy that can be a, a good influence on players here, um, show them what professionalism is, and uh, that's what I'm trying to do every day. Yeah. Um, in, in those conversations, you know, when, when they decide to bring on more veteran leaders, like, can you speak about the importance of that around the NBA? Because not not every team in the league is like the Raptors, right? You know, the Raptors actually got a couple of vets. I, I saw Thad just speaking post practice there. Otto obviously been around. By the way, this is your third time being teamed with Otto. That's that's got to be yeah, that's it is hilarious. my third time. Yeah, I was Otto's vet in DC, <laughs> and then uh, we were in Chicago yeah. together, and now and now here. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Well, the three of you guys were all also in Chicago together yep, with yep. that too. But th- that's that's a rarity in the league nowadays, right? So. Um, you speak to sort of the importance of, of, of that and sort of like what that does for a locker room. Yeah, I'll help you with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important. Um, 
because most guys obviously is coming to the league one, two years out of college. And, uh, you know, Grady, for example, is 19 years old, just turned 20. Uh, you know, Scotty in his third year, you know, 21, 22 years old. It's, um, you know, Gary Trent is, you know, you know, a semi-vet on our team, and he's 24 years old. So yeah, right. to have people that are – obviously the league is a lot younger, so to have guys that are mid-30s, um, some would say I'm late-30s, to be able to have gone through things and understand different situations, uh, give a different perspective, it's always good. And it's great to have more than one because eventually one voice gets stale. Mm-hmm. So to have more than one voice, um, you know, speak to those things, I think it definitely helps the team, and I think – um, it's something that most teams should really think about having. So I think for every player, um, well, for most players in the league, right, it feels like they're like the CEO of their own company. You know, they got all these people depending on them. They're so public. Uh, but I think it takes a, a level of humility to get to the point where you accept, like, okay, I'm going to accept the role. I'm going to accept being a vet. What was that moment for you? It's interesting, man. Um, that's, that's so true. Um, unless you're the number... Five pick or below. Um, if you play 14 years, you're going to have to figure that out eventually. Um, for me, I was fortunate. You know, it's a blessing in disguise that I was never highly touted out of high school, never highly touted out of college, didn't get drafted, played in the G League to start my career, had a couple of stints there, played overseas during a, during a lockout year. All of those things allowed me to stay grounded and to stay in a mindset of do whatever I can for the coach, mm-hmm. for the team to win. Mm-hmm. So having that type of team-first mentality, I think, allowed me to transition into this role much easier than um, your regular, you know, A-type, A-type personality NBA player. Um, so, you know, I've seen a lot of guys, seen a lot of teammates that were very talented mm-hmm. but weren't, were not starting or weren't, weren't playing – you know, starter minutes and their mindset or attitude, you know, got them out of the league. It had nothing to do with their talent. So I've seen that enough to understand as well. Um, being a professional can get you a long way. And, and look, that point comes for everybody. You know, I'm thinking about a guy that you were teammates with in Sacramento, Vince Carter, right? Vince Carter was like, I mean, everyone in Toronto knows what Vince Carter was. We saw peak Vince Carter. He was like arguably the most marketable, if not him, Kobe, Shaq. Like there was like the top three AI at the time too. Right. To go from that, and then he carves out this, like, great longevity in his career for, like, 10 years as a vet. Goes here, goes there, Atlanta, Sacramento, Memphis, Dallas, all these places. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it takes a certain personality, right? Because exactly. not a lot of stars make that kind of transition. Nah, and, and, and that speaks to what type of person he is. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if anybody that knows Vince well knows how humble he is as a person, how down-to-earth he is. When I first met him, when I first as a teammate in Sacramento, you know, just – talking to him and we playing golf a lot together and just seeing how he, you know, it's, it's, you know, players in the NBA treat their teammates a certain way. We're all millionaires. But when you see how somebody treats uh, staff, when you see how somebody treats a waitress, when you see how somebody treats an Uber driver, that's when you realize what type of people they really are. Yeah, right. And that's, you know, that's why I'm not surprised Vince was able to do that because that's the type of person he is. Yeah. Um, Okay, back to your role right now. So you got two guys in Grady and, and Gary Trent. Right now they're struggling a little bit. They're just a little bit down on the season. What's the process like? Because obviously, you know, you can relate to these guys. You, you, you guys, you literally play the same position. Um, 
what's your advice and what's your process for like you know reaching out to them and sort of like helping them get back to the players that they are um just feel them out um you know sometimes it's it's just as uh the most you can do or the most you should do is just say um you got it this game bro you know when you when you, when you got shots let them fly they're gonna they're, you're gonna knock them down you're gonna get out of this rut okay. um you know with especially with with Gary this is not his first time being in a situation where he's not making as many shots as he's as he expects to make um or not getting as many shots you know um but the the well will 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 fall eventually i mean eventually he's gonna hit six seven threes in a game for us and they're gonna be big um Grady, on the other hand, not being in the rotation last game, you know, and being a rookie, not going through the situation yet, you may, you know, tell him to ask you any questions that you may have or, you know, put a few more things in his ear. Um, in these play groups after shoot around, you know, um, pump him up. If you're on his team or if you're on another team, just tell him to be aggressive. Mm. Uh, give him a few more tidbits before a guy like Gary. Just remind him that he is a shooter. Um, and he doesn't need reminding of that. He has that. He has a great mente- a mindset of the next shots going in. Um, but just a couple of couple of words of encouragement. Yeah, and, you know, I think sometimes too, it's like it's sometimes like the players got to listen to you too. You know, like you can't just always be delivering to them. Right? You can't, you know, be unprompted trying to give them advice. Like you, you know, for sure, you got to pick your spots. That's what makes um, you know when people say this person was a good young guy or a good rookie. That's what makes somebody a good rookie or, um, you know, a good young player in the league, somebody that obviously they're immensely talented and, mm-hmm. and know a lot about basketball. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made it this far. But them understanding that they do not know all everything and that they seek out information, um, that that's one of, one of the best attributes about Scotty Barnes. He's a, he's a very cerebral player, knows a lot, knows more than 75% of the NBA in terms mm-hmm. of, the, of his IQ. But he's very, uh, very much a guy that's always asking questions, asking what what do I see here, what do I see there, um, and wants to learn. And uh, the best players are continually learning. Yeah, that's great to hear about Scotty. Um, and you know that's what's going to really help him in the long run too. Plus, he's all, also you know crazy talented man. You know, <laughs> coming into the league, oh, he came into the league with the like the NBA ready body, skill set was there. Yep. Yeah, obviously he's gonna work out. Um, I want to think another thing I want to ask you about because I always come here and I see you guys shooting around. You, Dennis, Malachi. Sometimes other guys join you, but th- those are the core three. I feel like. Yeah, three musket- musketeers. And, uh, yeah, I was gonna say first off, you guys definitely need a little nickname. So we do three. need a nickname. That's true. We got to figure that out. Uh, and and we talk to Dennis every week. You know, Dennis gets a little shy sometimes when uh-huh. we mention that shooting competition. But I see how competitive it is. I saw Malachi win it today. This guy literally ran a whole lap around the yes. facility. He he ran before he won. So, because oh, he was the first shooter, so the other two guys who shot second and third always get a chance. So we, me and Dennis, missed on purpose for him to go ahead oh, and get that run. Nah, wow. But he ran a little prematurely. Dennis does it too sometimes. Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. That's well. I mean, that, that's good though, because you know one of the big stories this year is just like seeing the whole organization from Darko from. From Dennis, from you, like just putting the arm around Malachi and saying, like, we believe in your talent. We believe you can go. He hasn't really had that for four years here, you know. And it's, you know, whatever the situations before, you weren't here for. But he just didn't have that same confidence mm-hmm. as he has now, man. Right. Never seen him do something like that before. Nah, nah for sure. Mal is a very laid back, chill guy. It was great to see him do that because he's not a morning person at all. Uh, he continually reminds me and okay. Dennis that Dennis isn't either. Um, yeah. So usually I win all the games on shoot around. 
I got to build up my shoot around wins. So, uh-huh. so when they get there, they're 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 warm on the practice days. But nah, you know, I remember watching Mal as a rookie. Um, I think that was the Tampa year, and mm-hmm. um, and thinking to myself, this young guy can play. You know, he had a maybe I was just, he played against the a team I was on, and, and he played well. But he's quick. He can get downhill. He's he's a great spot up shooter. Um, and he has a mentality of, uh, you know, he's not going to back down from anyone. So Dennis and I both love that mentality. We th- we think he's a um, a very good – he can have a long career in the league, and uh, we can continue to push him because he's a guy that's going to be important for us just like he was in Indiana a couple of nights ago. Yeah. Um, yo, listen, I want to talk a lot about, you know, your role with the union too because there's so much going on. Um, but they just gave me the signal of like, you know, we, we, we got, we got, we got to cut our time a little bit shorter. So I'm going to skip ahead of that. Maybe we'll interview you next time and talk about that. Cause I really want to talk about the process of, you know, the players agreeing to play in the bubble, mm-hmm. how that was. I'm sure that was yeah. a very busy time for you. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, the, the new CBA that was signed, I'm sure again, very busy time for you. Right. right. Um, and, and, you know, even just what your future looks like, because I, I read around that, you know, you're taking your LSATs too. So I'm curious to see what you do long term. Yep. Say that for another conversation. Let's talk about generational differences in the league right now. Right. So you're from the era right now where, you know, you play with Vince, uh, your golf buddies with Kyle Lowry as well. Right. Yes. Um, you're from that era. Right. But then I was thinking about training camp. Grady had this wild quote where he said about you, you know, I could almost be his son. And he just turned 20. You know, it, it actually is like biologically uh, feasible. Very much <laughs> feasible. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask you, like, so for, for the young guys coming in now, like, is it different in terms of how they can carve a role in the league versus when you first came in like 14 years ago now? Um, that's an interesting question. I don't know if I've had that one. Is it different for them to a different way that they can carve, carve it out? Um Honestly, that's one of the things that has not changed, in my opinion. Okay. I think that's one thing. Um, the NBA skill set is the NBA skill set mm-hmm. in terms of being being able to do one thing at an elite level yep. will allow you to play in the league. Um, two things will allow you to be really good. Three things will allow you to be, you know, all-star, yeah, yeah. all-NBA guy. Uh, so, you know, for Grady right now, that's his ability to shoot, I think, um, you know he's just, he's coming in as a scorer. Uh, guys are a little guys are stronger, faster, so his ability to shoot and move without the ball will be something that um, we're continuing to push him to do when he's open, let it fly uh, with his size. Um, but I think that is one thing that hasn't changed. If you can shoot at a high level, you'll be able to play. If you can defend at a high high level, you'll be able to play. Rebound at a high level as a big, you'll be able to be able to play. Um, you know, play with crazy energy. Gerald Wallace type guy, you'll you'll find a yep. way on the court. Uh, so those things, in my opinion, have have stayed the same. Yeah, well, I think one thing that's changed too is the the, the league has gotten younger in your time in the league, right? So there's certain teams and organizations where they have like ten guys under twenty, <laughs> twenty five, like twenty five, yeah. you know, and like. Who knows? That's why. That's why I asked the question. It's like, who knows which one of these? They're all talented, but who's yeah. going to get the opportunity? Who's going to stand out? Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's that's the tricky part. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was a little bit different uh, from your era. I, I want to ask you about phones too. How do phones <laughs> and social media change the locker room dynamic? Because when you first came in, it wasn't. No. Nah. It's like 2010. They, people were still not really. They were like using the internet on their computers. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, um, I didn't get Instagram until I was during the lockout season when I was in Italy. Um. That was twenty two or twelve. Uh, so it's different, man. You know, paying attention to your phone and seeing what people are posting and 
like like it's, the, I mean, I, I guess it's the eight old uh, the uh, old adage now. I guess it's old, an old adage where it's a it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a gift and a curse. Um, things that help, things that hurt. So guys have to as much as they can try to like for me. Mm-hmm. If I have a bad game, I don't even go on Twitter. Why like when I when I was when I was on Twitter when I was paying attention to Twitter. Yeah. If I had a bad game, I wouldn't go on Twitter. Yeah. Um, just because I know what it would be. Um, and uh, if you can get to a point where you just don't have social media, mm-hmm. then that's, in my opinion, uh, not a bad way. Or have somebody run it for you. Yeah, uh, right. That's, pre- that's probably, probably the easiest thing to do. But um, that's not realistic. So, you know, just, just have a mindset of these people have no idea what they're talking about, and yeah. I could care less. Um, that, that I, I use Twitter to hit, see what... Woj and Shams are going to say that's, that's during, <laughs> during, during free agency. That's basically you, you, They got to set up a tech service just for NBA people. <laughs> Real talk. Um, all right, well, we're talking about Twitter, but I'm going to show you something on Twitter that came across because I think this might speak to generational differences or not. All right, I want you to read this, this tweet that was uh, from Chet Holmgren, who's like 20, 21. And you, I, I want you to tell me if you understand what he's saying here. 54 from Trey Ball is OD shooting hang pools. Yeah, for sure. You got that? Okay. Yeah. Because a lot of people saw this online, and their reaction was, I must be washed, because I don't understand what kids are saying these days. But Nah, he's saying, he's saying 54% from the three Yeah. is is OD, which is, you know. Good. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Shooting hang pulls. KD's patting the shot as the left-hand hang. Act like, you know, hezzy. He- yeah. It's a hezzy pull. Yeah. Now, we yeah. call it a hezzy pull, but he calls it hang pulls. Nah. Okay. All right, all right, so yeah. good, 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 good. So, so I'm not too washed. That's no, good. you're not washed. This is good. <laughs> this is good. All right, last question because they're wrapping up. Uh, give me your starting five of the best vets, you know, to you in your career. Oh man, okay. Yeah. It has to be a, like a point guard, a two guard. Uh, we're positionless. You know? Positionless. Oh, we, we, we doing we, we doing 2023. We doing man. the spo the spo thing. Yeah. Um, best vets: Antonio McDice. Okay. Um. Oh man, Drew Gooden. Mm. We were in Milwaukee together, uh, and then in DC. But when we were in Milwaukee, he was my vet. Um, Stephen Jackson, Charlotte. Yep. Um, who's that? Is that three players? That's three. And I got to go with Manu Ginobili, Ooh. San Antonio, and Tim Duncan. It's a good team. That's a hell of a team. <laughs> that might be a championship team right there. <laughs> oh, just veterans, man. All right. Yeah, Yo, you've been around the league a long time. I know you got lots of stories. We got to set up another conversation just to talk about the other stuff. But appreciate your time now. And, uh, yeah, best of luck with the rest of the season. All appreciate right. you, bro. That was our interview with uh, Garrett Temple, man. Good dude. Really, really good dude. I really want to – I told him afterwards. I was like, we got to set up another interview because I just want to talk about you know, his role with the MBPA, um, not specifically his day-to-day job, which I think could be more like administrative, but his role in, like, the players negotiating to go back to the bubble. His role Yeah, I mean, I could CBA. pick his brain on that for, like, an hour. Yeah. Yes, I'll, exactly. I'll trade. Let me ask go you ahead. a bunch of questions about this. I'll help you with your LSATs. Oh, yeah. So I told Blake about Garrett's LSAT scores, which you can find online. There's some couple stories about it. He did good. Stories, the number was 159. But, but Blake, what, when you did the LSATs, what was the score? I, I got a 172. Okay. I okay. could not afford to go to law school right away, so I uh, deferred. And then in the time that I had deferred it, uh, I started writing for fun. And then I was like, oh, no, this is way better. I actually don't like money. Okay. I'm going to try media instead of, uh, instead of law. 
<laughs> yeah, seriously. But um, no, it's it's great. I, it's actually, uh, especially chatting with with Garrett, he's a great perspective on things. And um, I, I know I know there's a lot of questions, you know, in terms of like, okay, the roster build up, you know, like how many vets do you need on a team? Realistically, on the outside, you look at it, it's like, well, it's taking a roster spot. You know, you could develop another guy potentially, but at the same time, I think that when you bring in vets like that, I think it helps to invest in the existing prospects you have. A guy like Grady, which, you know, seems like he was really receptive. What he said about Scotty, too, was, was mm-hmm. really promising to hear how much Scotty's been a cerebral player who's always seeking advice. So, And what he said yeah. about, you know, if there's only one guy like that in the room, the voice can grow quiet, right? Like, you just don't hear it the same way. Yeah. Now, I would argue that if your coaching staff is structured properly and things like that, they're... There is probably a, a sweet spot where maybe you don't have three of those guys yeah. on the roster. I know they didn't sign Otto for that reason. He was 29 at the time. But that, he kind of gets grouped in with, with that yeah. and, and Garrett given uh, how infrequently he's playing. But, yeah, there are other teams who have, you know, someone who recently finished playing. Like the Celtics have Emil Jefferson on the coaching staff. Now, he was he obviously didn't have more than a cup of coffee in the NBA, but he's 30 years old, just went through the college grind, just went through the G League and two-way grind. So he was like in it a second ago and and that probably takes the place of like having a vet at the end of the bench as well so you sure. can probably manage without okay. you know three or four of them but i do think it's it's uh especially in a year like this where so much is of it about it is you know let's get the cultural aspects back on the right track i do wonder too with like a rookie coach in darko right mm-hmm. and um you know it's different like it's not like having pop coach your team it's not like having Spo coach your team. Like you don't probably don't need those guys. And even but with even Spo, like Chris Quinn is his number one. Yeah, he has UD yeah. on the roster, yeah. and then Chris Quinn went from, right from being a player to being right. on Spo's staff. And I know again, Chris Quinn wasn't like an all star or anything. He mm-hmm. kind of had like a you know half of Garrett Temple's career. Yeah. But it's a guy who at the time he joined the staff was recently in it and could probably speak the language uh, of the young guys. He knew what a uh, OD hang pull was. <laughs> um, yeah, we're officially rebranding Chet Holmgren as uh, Hang Pole Noodles. But uh, yeah, seriously, great to chat with Garrett. Uh, would love to to do it again sometime. Um, and uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Been your host Willu. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sports Night Radio Network. When we come back, career advice with Matt Devlin. <laughs> Stay tuned. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the JD Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by co-host Blake Murphy, and we are joined in studio by Matt Devlin, who needs no introduction whatsoever. Uh, Matt, how are you doing, man? Thank I'm you for joining. I'm doing us. great. I do. I do need an introduction. Come on. Oh, you need an introduction? No, I'm kidding. I'm oh kidding. man. How you been? You don't want to give him a, yeah, give him a Strizzy uh-huh. style one? Uh, That's all right. That's all right. No, it's all good. Yeah, you gotta tap in. It's Eight. Matt Devlin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh save okay. that. Save this stuff yeah. for the lethal Sorry, weapon guys. who's behind the camera over <laughs> there. You really want me to freestyle, man? Damn it. <laughs> Eight-game, get... 13-day stretch. Let's go. Yes. Is that right. what it is? We're yeah. starting today? No. Oh, no, we're in the midst of it. Yeah, okay. Sunday. It was Sunday, uh, Detroit, and Tuesday, then obviously Wednesday, at Friday. Orlando, at Indy. Today, Chicago. Sunday, Cleveland. Tuesday, Brooklyn, home, Phoenix, and then the New York Knicks. That ends it. And mm-hmm. then, obviously, we're all going to Vegas if the Raptors can get a little bit of help and and they can win some games. By the way, uh, Alex has put in the document here for us, hardly home, but he's always yeah. repping. It's the voice of the Raptors, Matt Devlin. There you go. It's not the same when you write it down, though. Nah. 
is yeah. it? Okay. Not the same, but it is better. That's, that's the difference. Yeah. Uh, speaking of differences, so, Matt, I want to yeah. start here. Well, what, what's the most the biggest key difference you see between last season and this season for the Raptors? Because personnel-wise, it's largely the same. Obviously, they swap point guards between Fred and Dennis, uh, they swap coaches, but the rest of the team is largely the same. Um, what do you see that's different? Well, I don't think it's anything that anybody else hasn't seen. You know, certainly some of the defensive principles that they have, uh, offensively, I do believe that they're still trying to figure some things out. Yeah. Um, I think it does relate more towards the specific players you are seeing in the rotation, Malachi Flynn, who I know that wasn't as a season high, not a career high on Wednesday night, but that without question was his best game ever as a Toronto Raptor, and they needed it that night. Um, so I still think uh, that a lot of it is the same. They're getting a little bit better three-point shooting right now, 22nd, I believe, in the NBA. They if they can get NBA average, that would be really uh, good. Um, there's a lot of ways to win in the NBA, whether it's offense, defense, the combination of both the schemes and the structures. Um, so I still think they're trying to, honestly, I still think they're trying to find their identity. And I thought that there was a time when I thought, okay, it's going to be defense, right, the way they started. But then you play Orlando, and they're really committed to that end. Mm-hmm. And, and which is really impressive. I have a huge shout-out to Jamal Mosley um, because it isn't easy to get younger players to buy in defensively. They have, they're big, they're physical. They're really physical. Yeah. And Anthony Black, his length, really like him. It's going to be interesting to see Markel Fultz. Right after that game, they're 6-2 and two with him as a starter. Uh, Markel Fultz is injured right now. Do you even bring him back into the rotation? Pending free agent, too. Yeah, so right. if you think I, you've got it with yeah. Black. And- yeah, and the way they're playing right now. So, And then all of a sudden you think back to, okay, Sunday they put up, granted, Detroit, 44 assists, eight turnovers, the 142 points, and then, then they did what they did on Wednesday. So I still think that they're trying to find themselves and, and, and trying to find an identity, which is fine. It takes a little bit of time. Um so I, I am I, I do like it when Pascal has the ball. I think that that's you can t- everybody can talk about offense and you know pounding the ball too much and ISO and you can talk about point five and all that. But the NBA has been since the beginning mm-hmm. has been a matchup league. Yeah. But makes it different from college basketball, which is more system oriented. Right. right. This is a matchup league. And when you have a matchup, right, you have to take advantage of that. And when you get the ball into Pascal's hands in the post and a double comes and he's a willing passer and you're able to knock down shots, good things happen. He also passes really well out of those situations. Right. So when you do draw additional attention, uh, I think I mentioned this. That, I can't remember if I mentioned it on Sportsnet Central last night or on the show, but when we include passes out of the post, Pascal Siakam is actually number one in the league right now in post play. Right. Now, if you if you make the sample much smaller, Porzingis jumps him there, but Porzingis doesn't take it into the post nearly as much. So Pascal's number one. They get they score one point two five points per possession when Pascal uh, shoots, goes to the line, turns the ball over or makes one pass out of the post. That's an astronomical rate. As a team, they score less than a point per possession, and in the half court, they really don't score close to a point per possession. Um, So being able to, you know, that's 25% better than your standard offensive outcome. Um, It's important that he's able to pass out of those things as well. And I think, Matt, what's most important, and this is where 
you know, the talk around 0.5 stuff for the new system, yeah. you know, people also layer in, well, this is Scotty's biggest development year. He needs more touches. He he needs to have a bigger role. I am noticing, are you noticing as well, that Pascal and Scotty seem to be developing pretty good offensive chemistry? Yes, and that that's going to take time. And it, it, so there are a couple of things there. Um, number one, I, you know, talking to a lot of NBA coaches, you know, like who doesn't want to play you know, in point five, right? Who doesn't want to, you know, move the ball quickly, cut, right? Cut with a purpose. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, guys cut, but do you cut to score, right? Cut with a purpose. All all the other different things. Part of point five is, hey, you're getting doubled. Where do you go to next, right? I mean, all those things are intertwined. Before we get to the Scotty and Pascal thing, I just want to make a point. Wednesday night, the execution coming out of timeouts was next level stuff. It was next-level stuff. Darko was outstanding. It was next-level stuff. They got exactly what they wanted to get, and that was really impactful. I am maybe one of the rare people with all the different noises going around that believe that Scotty and Pascal can play together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And part of that is, and why did it work the other night? Because Dennis shot the ball from three well. And so... Both of those players, and by the way, Scotty is shooting it at a high rate as yes. well. So all of those sort of things are really important from a spacing standpoint. We understand where Jakob likes to play. We know now Scotty's, you know, and again, you know, Scotty, as much as, hey, you want the ball in his hands and you're seeing that on the second unit more, as we know, uh, he's just somebody that can impact the game at varying levels, points, rebounds, steals, assists. We saw that in the fourth quarter the other night. And uh, having both of them play together, there's a comfort level. It doesn't have to be me or him. It doesn't have to be you or me, right? It, it can be that both of them are in sync and in flow. A lot of that, though, depends upon the players around them and yeah. what and what they're able to do, right? And And – and that specifically is shooting the ball better, mm-hmm. right? And when you have that, I think that those two guys can be extremely dangerous when they're on the floor together. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. I do, and, yeah. and I've been, you know, even when it wasn't working that well, like, yes, long-term, this doesn't mean anything about the long-term questions yeah. of what are the timelines and what do you do with Pascal right. at the trade deadline? But in terms of the on-court stuff, like, it makes sense that if you have two of those guys who are mismatch hunters yeah. and are so big and physical and able to pass out of those situations, that that should be, you know, those should be additive skills, yeah. not taking away from the other. Like you said, though, some of the spacing concerns around it, how you use Jakob, how you use Dennis, but it's probably the most encouraging thing about their start is when you look at the minutes that Scotty Pascal and OG share together, they're doing really, really well. They're beating yeah. teams significantly when those three share the floor together. So that tells me that... It's not the Pascal Scotty thing that can't work necessarily. You just have to be a little more intentional about how you build around it. Right. And and I think that that's, a, that's the point, right? Why, why was it something that played out well on Wednesday night? Because Dennis shot it well. Mm-hmm. Malachi had some moments. Now, mm-hmm. granted, you know, the, the lineups were a little bit different. But in the second quarter, uh, you know, he was outstanding. Um, and then you, you look at... OG, his ability to knock down a three, you know, it's it, it's also, you know, finding out exactly how Jakob fits in all of this too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so uh, it's still a work in progress. And I, I am, uh, you know, somebody that believes that, you know, this can work with those two on the floor 
it's just some time here. And that, to your point, doesn't mean, you know, there's other decisions to be made. Yeah. I think the key that we need to, to watch for is what they do when they're not playing together on the court because that's what the Raptors really need. That's why they sub Scotty out first in the first quarter, usually in the third quarter as well. They want to have him come in with a lot of energy to lead those secondary units. How are those units working out? You know, and it's a lot dependent on the bench too. Like other guys are going to come in and play their roles and, and develop. It's not just entirely on one guy. But And, and it certainly yeah. looked better when OG is in there. So it's two starters yeah. and three yeah. bench Which, pieces. And that's what they went to the other night a bunch right. when they went on that big second quarter run. Yeah. Right, right. They, you know, I think the four plus one, uh, four meaning four bench mm-hmm. plus a starter, it, it was three and two the other night. Uh, interestingly enough, Scotty and Pascal played the most minutes that they've played this year mm-hmm. on the second night of a back-to-back, 38 minutes, 39 minutes. Guess yep. what? You you need your best players on the floor <laughs> yeah. to win games. And um, and so that is something that, uh, you know, you know, as I look at that second unit, let's see if Gary can kind of find some comfort zone. And I think that that's, a, that's right now something that they're missing. Right, we know that he can shoot it better than he's shooting. Uh, obviously, he shot attempts down, all those sort of different things. But um, you know, I think he has to find a comfort level within this offense as well. I'm looking forward to seeing what Darko can do with Gary and Precious because I, I think what he's already done with Malachi is, is a great step. You can see the whole franchise embracing him, and who knows, maybe Malachi won't even be a starter in this league. But to turn him from what he was last couple of years to being a productive backup is already a really good step in the right direction. It's it's arguably saving his career, really, when you think about it in that, yeah. in that way. Gary and Precious have already shown to be capable players. They've started multiple games uh, the last couple of seasons as well. How do we get them going off the bench, too? I Well, I'm going to start with Precious. He has to – he, I think, has to look in the mirror and ask himself, who is he as a player? Yeah. Okay. Right. And where can you be and how can you be most successful to have a long NBA career? I think he's at that point. Um, We know uh, that playing the small five, I think that's where he fits in today's NBA with every now and again, drifting out to the three point line and shooting a three. Does he accept that? That That's the hard part, right? That, to me, is the conversations that you have to have. He's got the ability. That is not the question. And then from a defensive standpoint, as we all know, the ability to guard multiple positions and all that. I, For me, and in talking to actually not people within the Raptors organization, but scouts outside the um, organization, I, it's interesting. You know, they read... Pascal in that same light, right? Where you're going to get on the floor um, as an undersized big, right? He hasn't developed that other part of his game. Doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. You do that in the summertime. You do that in between games. But right now, carve out your niche in the NBA. You're in the final year of your deal. Um, that, to me, is is really important for him, mm-hmm. Right. And that also is the place on this team where I feel that he could really help the team. And I think last year that was also the feeling. I don't think that he at that time was willing. I think he wanted more, right? Hey, I can play the two, three. I can be a wing and all of those sort of things. Um, And so for me, it starts there, right? Like, you know, 
it's not only the coach, but it's also the player and the willingness to accept who you are and how do you make it in this league. And so for him, to me, that's important. I think for Gary, it's, you know, he just doesn't look comfortable yet. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that's, you know, kind of part of it. Right. Um, So I think for me, it's just him getting some comfort, being healthy and, and kind of letting it roll. Malachi, I know you're speaking earlier. Malachi is starting to get steady minutes, right? He is getting steady minutes. And now it's just, you know, keep on building on that, yeah, right? Yeah. You, you don't have to do what you did on Wednesday night every time out. Be amazing if you did. Yep. But, you know, just be steady. Take the shots that are there. And as we know, I think in years past when he got out to the floor and they could say, hey, distribute, do other things. Yeah. I think he felt like, oh, I got to shoot it to show him what I can do. With Scotty on the court next to him, you know, Scotty's handling a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So you do need his shooting, right? Yeah. I don't know yeah. if any of that all makes sense. No, but it, that's kind of it does completely. And and I think what you said about, you know, where they are, each of them in their careers heading into restricted free agency for Precious, unrestricted for Gary, is like, yeah, you have to have a an eye on what helps the team now and what is going to get you paid this summer, not what you are long-term necessarily. Um, with Precious, I think he's in control of some of this where, yeah. you know, I, offensively, yes, we all know and can see that he wants to do more. I, and I would imagine the coaching staff, I'm willing to look the other way or overlook it on some of the funnier Precious Achua offensive things. One, one again. If one the game. defense is there. <laughs> yeah. But so far this yeah. year, what we're seeing, and some of this is in and out of the lineup and, yeah. and comfort level yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Injury. But yeah. basically, he hasn't done that consistently enough on defense for me to be like, okay, it's worth it to have yeah. those offensive gaps. And I think for him, you know, you've got, he's really got to sharpen up the help defense. Cause right now I, I've thought he's only really good defensively when you put him on ball and they are putting him on ball because they can't trust him off ball and help situations. So I think it's on precious to be, you know, to just execute better when he's healthy. And, and I think some of that too is, you know, look at this is a different defense. We talked about mm-hmm. it earlier, sure. right? So, you know, for Chris Boucher, for Precious, and, you know, you were able to run around, take chances, right, get in the lanes, yeah. do a lot of different things. So now th- this is different. This is, hey, you need to understand exactly where do you, where you need to be at a given time. I, I believe he is capable of being a 10 and 10 player. Yeah. If Asar Thompson can be that, mm-hmm. you certainly can be that. And, and, and it's just... It, it's just whether or I know he thinks offensively he could be a lot more than that. And that's, that's one. I mean, I, look, it still do all the things. I said it in between games, work on all that stuff in the summertime, work on all that stuff. But right now, you know, in order to help this team, in order for you to get continued, you know, um, minutes, right. Consistent minutes. You know, I think that if he accepts this role, right. Of being that undersized big, he he doesn't need to have to look for a shot. It's going to come his way. Yeah, you're playing as a you're, big. You're going to yeah. get ten points, and you're going to get if you're on the glass ten rebounds. And let's not forget what he did against Miami, mm-hmm. right? Like 22. we know if yeah. he if he wants to go get it, he go get it, right? Yeah. He can go get it. I remember Dwayne Casey used to say this to Pascal Siakam in his rookie year all the time. I was like, we can get you eight points accidentally. Like you're the fastest guy down the floor in transition twice mm-hmm. in a game. Yeah. You grab two offensive rebounds. There's your eight points. Yeah. Now, it's obviously you're not going to shoot 100%, but like that's how quickly you can get to almost double digits and pad your scoring yeah. a little bit. Um, the Gary side of that, you know, obviously he needs to shoot better and he needs to play better. I've kind of 
I'm not expecting the defense to improve at this point. It's been, you know, this is fourth season here. Um, and other than, you know, half of one year, it really hasn't been there. Um, but with him, I think there is some more lineup stuff you can do in terms of what the rotations look like. I mentioned that trio before of Scotty, Pascal, and OG, how effective they are as a trio. We haven't seen that a ton with an extra spacer on the floor with Gary on the floor or Grady. I know Grady's not hitting his threes, but teams still react to his threat with Otto on the floor. Um, you know, it, it makes your rotation a little harder to manage because you do want Scotty or Pascal manning those bench units. So to take Jakob or Dennis out first yeah. gets a little awkward, but I do think that what we would see in a bigger sample is um, not only do we know Gary's more, a little more comfortable in those, but even the threat of Gary could open up stuff a little bit more for those guys. But like I said, it, it introduces some tough rotation decisions. If you pull Gary in for someone who's not Scotty early in the first quarter. Yeah. I'm uh... Honestly, listening to this, I feel a little bit encouraged because these seem like fixable problems. None of this seems like it's fundamentally broken. We have seen I, both of them play better in the past. So exactly. it's not it's yeah. not unrealistic to expect them to play better at some point I, in the, the future. The bigger picture is that Scotty's made this jump. And even on games where he's not like featured so much, he's still giving you production across the board. That's talent right there when you can do three, four things. That's what Garrett Temple was saying in the first segment. Um, Pascal getting back to his normal self. I, I had no real concerns that he would find his game considering he's a, he's an all-star in this league and he's been proven. Now you got two guys at all-star level and now you got to rehab a couple of bench guys to get back to the level they're at. That's, I think, the upside in the roster. But I think, look, it's going to take a little bit of time just for everything to get figured out. I, I do sometimes need the, the look at the bigger picture. That's something that me and Matt talk about all the time. Uh, yeah, well, I do, but, but I, I have to say this too and I think yeah. that part of why some of this stuff you know, on Wednesday, it looks, look, you know, really good. They are shooting the three better. And when they do that, now they didn't do that on, on Tuesday night all that well, but you know, when look at, it solves a lot of issues. It, does, it yeah. really does. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, and, and look at Boston's taken 44 of them a game <laughs> and you were in that game because Tatum was one of 11. Mm -hmm. And so People would be saying, well, then why is he taking all that? Because that's what they do, right? Yeah, hell true. And, and so how long have I, you know, I don't know. I've been talking about shooting the three for I can't tell you how long. You know, well, since years, back of Amir Johnson, the summer three. Yeah, the summer, oh, the summer three. three. I mean, how long ago was that? A decade ago? Yeah. You know, JV, right? Ago. Death yeah. taxes and uh, JV's threes. They still fall for the pump fake. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that is an element that allows – those two guys, Scotty, is shooting it better. Thankfully, Pascal made one the other night. I don't even think that he's got to worry about being that, right? It's a little bit like DeMar, right? Because he really as your point, yeah. you know, when he's down in the post, man, so many good things can, can happen from there. But Dennis is, you know, his shooting the three and just some other people kind of doing that. You know, I, I just think it, it just takes everything to that next level. Okay, so that was a little career advice for Gary Trent Jr. and Precious Achua and <laughs> some sprinkled in there maybe for maybe for Darko as well, rotation-wise. Yeah. Will, I know that you wanted the carve-out yeah. sometime to ask some career advice for yourself yeah, of Matt Devlin. This is I just we, want to make sure we get that in before we... Every we time we get Matt in the studio. Uh, well, I want, last time we also gave him a bubble tea as well. Yeah, I did get a bubble tea. Uh, which, by the way, we got nothing. Yeah. That, Will well, has a water, French press water. around here somewhere. You know how impressive... You know, you know, you, you got to understand the clout that Matt Devlin walks around with. I have zero. We no, hold on. We we did that segment with you where you saw the story was you saw me wearing a bubble tea uh, pin. You were like, "What's that? A milkshake?" And I was like, "Oh, you never had a bubble tea before." Then you came in the studio next week. We got you one on there. 
after that segment happened, like the biggest bubble tea, like you know, conglomerate, conglomerate in in, in, in Canada, Shasta Cha Time, uh, they reached out and they were like, "Hey, can we do something together? And can we get something at Dublin?" So unfortunately, we forgot to actually <laughs> supply you today. But that's the that, kind of club you, that he walks you, around with. You know, you yeah. know what I like to say? That yeah. ain't right. Yeah, that ain't right, man. Really? Come on, like, come on, like, we got a bubble tea. We had bubble tea on the show like every other week. And, bubble tea and no Tuesday. One noticed, but then you bubble had tea it Thursday one time, and it was a huge thing. Okay, so we, we always ask you to to give some career advice. So <laughs> I thought about it, uh, and coming into this one, I had two questions. All right. mm. Number one, uh, when I watch pregame, guys come up, you talk to everybody, or guys, you know what, guys come to talk to you, players, ex players will come talk to you, coaches will come talk to you, execs will come to you. So my question is. What's the key to building long-lasting relationships with NBA people? Well, time, first of all. I think okay. that, well, time in this regard. I have uh, been in the NBA since 1999, and having traveled with a lot of different teams, I think the approach with most people is not to be over the top <laughs> early, right? Gotcha. And so yeah. it's like anybody. You talk to anybody that... You know, there's a beat reporter, mm -hmm. you know, that follows a team. It's you just allow everybody their space and you just take it slow. And with some relationships, it'll happen. Right. And then there's other relationships where it takes more than a course of a season. It could take, you know, multiple seasons. Right. But throughout my time with uh, Toronto specifically, there are certain players that have played here that I know that. Um, when, you know, I needed to grab a, a tidbit of information. By the way, those conversations do not need to be long. Mm. They literally can be 30 seconds. Yeah. You you go in, hey, here's the one thing. Yeah. Boom. They get it and go, hey, man, thanks. Hey, appreciate it. Whatever, right? Yeah. And so, you know, those things. Since COVID, it's a little bit more difficult, mm -hmm. right? I think everybody that follows the NBA. It's been a big adjustment and, for me not being in the room anymore. Yeah, it's 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 definitely harder since COVID. Uh, there's no question about that. It, it takes longer to develop that. But you, you try to grab those moments throughout the course of the season. But to go in thinking immediately, oh, hey, you know, yeah, you, know, it, yeah. you guys know that. That's, it that's me even... pulling up on Utah saying, let's go for ramen. <laughs> He's like, I don't know you. We've no. done one interview together, man. Just because we're both Asian, we're going to go have some ramen? You know what? That, that's good advice. I One should. of the sons here? You know what? <laughs> the way we're going this year with Adam Silver coming on the show, I, I, I mean, feel like you guys are be... huge. You got Adam Silver on the show. Yeah, see, that's what everyone keeps In saying. 1999, yeah. Adam Silver hired me. He was the vice president of NBA Entertainment at the time. Yeah. And I'll never forget... I mean, I, I, I had been doing minor league baseball, college hoops on radio, just doing like a ton of different things, right? I, and they were starting a, a station, a network called NBA.com TV. And so I'll never forget going to his office with my tape in hand. And, you know, I was at that time also doing WNBA New York Liberty. I was filling in on radio with the New York Knicks, pre and post, just yeah. a host of different things, right? Anyway, he hired me uh, to host, be one of the hosts of NBA.com TV. And it it really was the thing that ultimately, getting hired by um, MSG Network, a gentleman by the name of Pete Silverman took a chance on me, got me out of the minor leagues, um, and and put me with MSG Network that helped, and then also the NBA TV and and Adam Silver, and so in '99 
Uh, he hired me, and I hosted first ever night with Ahmad Rashad and oh. Carlos Diaz, which was a lot oh. of fun. And yeah. over in Secaucus, and and then um, that kind of got me on my way in the league. That's amazing. We, yeah. we we have more questions, really, but we, we're we're out of time. We, we can't have, be out of time. We only have like ninety minute, seconds man. left. Wait, okay, we you know go rapid fire. Okay, you know how TV works. I'm going to use the 90 seconds to ask about when Drake joins the broadcast. Yes. How much do you know about that ahead of time? And and how do you manage to balance Drake is being Drake? And there's a real game going on that that was pretty close in the last instance. Right. So in that situation, uh, we never know when he's coming (laughs) on. Uh, We do have a spare headset that can reach over to where he sits. And he typically kind of looks at us and say, hey, you know, it's been a while. So you want on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, and then in that situation, he's a hoop fan. And specifically with the Boston-Toronto game the other night, he knew when, like, okay, he came on, he had some fun early, and then all of a sudden he realized, hey, a game's happening in front. And then it was more specific to, you know, what was happening out on the court. You think he prepares those jokes in advance, though? The, the little <laughs> no. crypto scam no, that, thing? That's he off is, the dome? And I'm, I'm not just saying this. Yeah. He is one of the most brilliant people that I've ever met. He is that good. Do you get the invite to the New Year's parties? I do not. (laughs) Wow. We can't. You know what? Actually, I'm not going to blow up the spot. Uh, Matt Devlin, I appreciate you. (laughs) I will see you down at the arena. Everyone will see you on TV. And we are going to take this break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Continue joined by co-host Blake Murphy. Big thanks to Matt Devlin. Uh, for joining us on the program. He's actually just outside the studio right now talking about the D'Antoni Suns. Yeah, it's how much he's a, a pure hoop head that, uh, that, that you know, Matt Devlin is. But uh, salute the, to Matt Devlin. The D'Antoni Suns? You mean the, the current Pacers? And honestly... Obi Toppin is just a lob merchant like Amari Stoudemire? I, you know, I, this, is, this is why I think you were referencing a couple, like, uh, shows ago. But you were, you were talking about, like... You know, it's 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 not just about your offensive rating; it's about your offensive rating relative to what the offensive environment is like for that that year in that mm-hmm. league. Because if you just looked at straight offensive rating, I feel like the Phoenix Suns, the seven seconds or less Suns, would probably be like, I don't know, maybe he's 29th above Detroit. Yeah, Pistons it's right like it's like, like the pace and the three point shooting has gone. Yeah, yeah, has grown way too fast. So yeah, you do need to adjust for it. That's like the Kings set the record last year for offense, and the, and the Pacers are going to beat it this year, and uh-huh. it'll probably get broken uh, a ton. So yeah, you got to adjust for era. Yeah. But people don't op- uh, offensive rating plus hasn't uh, right. hasn't taken hold yet. Well, uh, one team that uh, certainly will not be breaking the offensive rating record anytime soon is the Chicago Bulls. We're going to bring in Trey Kirby uh, of No Dunks, a noted Bulls fan. Um, yeah, sorry. I mean, I know Raptors playing the Bulls tonight. That's this is this is kind of the thing. But uh, we're not we're not going to see Indiana Pacers level offense in tonight's matchup from either team. I don't think. Uh, I think you're probably right about that one, but man, uh, I knew the bulls were cooked when I got asked to come on a Raptors show. Uh, this team is just a uh, trade assets to be discussed at this point, but to uh-huh. come on hearing, they're not going to be setting the record for best offensive efficiency this season. That's a bridge too far. Well, I'll tell you, I pulled some numbers earlier. And if you look at the 25 lowest scoring games in the NBA this year, 
Uh, the Bulls have three of them. The Raptors have, like, I, it, the Bulls were in three of them. The Raptors were in three of them. And then there was a seventh where the Bulls and Raptors played each other. Yeah. And it's still that low, despite the fact that that game went to overtime. Uh, these are two of the, I don't know, you could call it old school if you want to be positive about it, but two of the grimiest teams in the league. That game was so stupid. <laughs> the one between the Raptors and the Bulls that you're referencing, because uh, as a Raptors side, it was so painful. Trey, w- w- when you saw your Bulls, come back in overtime and Alex Caruso got the steal on Pascal and then knocked down the three in the corner for the game. Um, did you, did you, did that feel good? Like, <laughs> I guess that's my question. <laughs> uh, I don't know if good is the right uh, response <laughs> yeah. to that. It felt like justification. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. The Bulls got robbed of a couple of victories uh-huh. during last season based on um, things that would be overturned in the last two minutes report the next day. Most famously, Donovan Mitchell egregiously crossing the free throw line. Should have been a lane violation on his uh, 71.9. Should only have 58 if they didn't go to overtime. That's what I'm saying. Uh, But to have it, see it come back around the next year, the league pay the Bulls back uh, for the injustice of last season. Mm. I thought it was uh, well-deserved. And then a couple of nights later, uh, Paolo Boncaro traveled on a game winner, but they didn't call it. So we're back in the loss column. All right, so that's how that one felt and these games have felt individually. Big picture, as a Bulls fan, you know, you guys are not used to stretches of incompetence like this where, you know, the post-Jimmy Butler era, you're already on coach number three, only one playoff appearance in the last six years and maybe uh, a seventh this year. Um, Part of this is ownership groups, I think, unwillingness to take a big step back, to take a step further later. How hard has it been to watch this year's version of the Bulls team, which is kind of the third year in a row of this group doing the same thing and playing, yes, worse now, but not dramatically worse than than the level they've been the last couple of years? Yeah, it's been a strange season because I feel like the the mood for Bulls fans coming into this year was one of resignation because it was kind of year three of this era with Vucevic, Levine, and DeRozan together. They had a great start. The 21-22 season caught everybody by surprise, but then Lonzo Ball goes down with injury uh, as the year turned to 2022, and we haven't seen him yet. It's crazy that a team would fall apart when they lose, like, I don't know, the 12th best point guard in the (laughs) league, but as soon as he was out of the lineup, they couldn't put together an offense that made sense. Last year, the question of Lonzo returning was kind of hanging over the heads of the Bulls. This year coming in, everybody knew no Lonzo, so more than likely not uh, not much chance of putting together a good offense. And then to come into the year and see the way the Bulls have played this season, nothing has changed except for it feels like the mood around the team is even worse this year with the Zach Levine situation hanging over their heads. Now they were sniping at each other in the very first game of the season. They had to have set the NBA record for fastest players only meeting in league history night one unbelievable stuff. So not a lot of expectations coming into the season and somehow the bulls have even failed to meet those thus far. So you mentioned that, you know, last year Lonzo balls health was hanging over everything this year. They didn't waste any time figuring out what was going to hang over the team this year and it's will Zach Levine get traded a lot of reporting out there that both sides would be open to potentially moving on now complicated a little bit by the fact that Levine's injured right now that we haven't reached the point in the season where a whole bunch of guys become more trade eligible so we don't need to get specific 
about, you know, potential landing spots and packages, but how are you feeling generally about the fact that this Levine stuff is out there already? And I don't know if I'm in your shoes, I, I maybe don't trust this front office to execute a big Zach Levine trade, uh, you know, for an optimal return here. I mean, Zach Levine was the return for a trade that has not gone in the Bulls' favor in a couple of different ways since. So, yeah, do I trust them to make the right move? Uh, not exactly. This is a team that historically has kind of waited too long to make moves, whether it be a front office move, a coaching move, or a player move, which was this one might be. I don't know if you guys as Raptors fans would agree but the end of Levine's tenure here is feeling a little bit like the end of Vince Carter's tenure with the Raptors. It was weird to see Zach Levine, a guy who is out there to score and get buckets, take 10 shots and then nine shots against the Heat in the two games immediately after the news of his trade report came out. Now he's obviously missing time right now. But it feels like this situation is going to drag on a little bit here because so many players aren't able to be traded for about another three weeks, another month in some cases. Clearly, the team isn't happy. Clearly, Levine is ready to be moving on. But if he's got to stick around for another month, it could get ugly. Um, that's really sad. I guess he's got to get to the point where he's not going to dunk anymore. Is is that is that <laughs> what happened in that in that range? Uh, with, uh, that'll with be that'll be sad. We'll know it's a we'll know it's Jover if he has a fast break and goes for a sick lay-in. <laughs> yeah, just a regular finger roll. Um, Okay, so maybe Zach moving on is a little inevitable. Um, Alex Caruso moving on, though. That's got to break your heart. Yeah, Caruso's tough. Uh, Caruso, like, I give him all the praise in the world. He came in, uh, the Bulls got him on a great contract. And coming from the Lakers hype machine, you're not sure how real it is. Just how great is this guy going to be when he gets away from the team? And it turned out he was everything the Lakers fans said he was. He gets hurt a lot because of the style he plays. I guess the Bulls do have him under contract for one more year. And clearly, he's going to be a guy that every contender wants. So it'll be sad uh, when Caruso moves on because he's such a fan favorite. And some of the greatest moments of this mini era are the Bulls. Uh, of the Bulls is Caruso finishing an alley-oop and, you know, going to the headband celebration kind of stuff. But also he's the kind of player that needs to be playing on a championship level team to really show what he's worth. Yeah. yeah I mean, what guy you... wearing a headband is wild behavior. But yeah. I keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, to you need that guy on an actual contender. Cause what do you, what are you getting, you know, floor burns all over your body for to, to win 30 games and, and like turn a 97, 90 deficit into, you know, make it, make it more able to come back. I worded that <laughs> sentence terribly. To come um, back against the Raptors. Yeah. Why did he have to play so hard? You know, <laughs> Could have just given us that win. Yeah. Um, because they knew there weren't going to be many one. of them this year. Uh, Trey, Another guy on the Bulls, this isn't really trade-related, but I would love to know uh, kind of temperature check, stock check on Patrick Williams. Obviously, a, a very high draft pick, fourth overall for this franchise. This is year four. He's playing fewer minutes than ever before. His numbers are down across the board. I know he he was back in the starting lineup with Levine out the other day, but he had been moved to the bench. Um, do you still have some faith that Patrick Williams is a guy and he's someone that, that can figure it out? Or is that, you know, going to have to be, uh, hey, figure that out in a different situation kind of time for Patrick Williams? I think he can figure it out because he's still so young. But I think more than likely it happens away from Chicago if it happens. The expectations on him as their one high draft pick from their previous 
era of rebuilding, a number four pick. He just is not meeting those expectations right now. And honestly, working with other Raptors fans and seeing a number four pick from Scotty Barnes balling out infuriates me. <laughs> this is the real differentiating point between these two teams. Your number four pick completely panned out. The Bulls, not so much, but I don't know. To be in year four of your NBA tenure and to still be celebrated for a cool spin move in the lane or aggressively pursuing a rebound. We're look, talking about Patrick Williams having flashes when at this point he should be producing and able to lock down a starting position rather than just floating between starting and the bench and everybody hoping that he turns into something that he hasn't shown to be capable of thus far in the NBA. So he's a good player. I think he's at least established himself as a role player so he's not going to be the worst top five pick of the 2020s but he's pretty low uh stock wise yeah trey um so tonight's game unfortunately not relevant for the end season tournament really both of these teams are zero and two are they we still would... gonna do the nice courts though yeah oh okay, still nice. do the okay. nice courts All right. All right. um like yeah you get your black and gold on before you show up later um okay so it doesn't matter for the end season tournament i looked at the schedule though and Eight of the 10 games tonight have actual in-season tournament uh, stakes. A couple of them could decide the pools just in that game. There are some teams playing for wild card, and, you know, it could be a big night of leave your starters in up 15 because we got to worry about plus minus and things like that. Um, I guess now that we're, you know, halfway through it here, how are you feeling? Are you bought in on the in-season tournament? You think so far so good? I think so far, so good. Um, I'm bought in mostly because Tyrese Halliburton is completely bought in. He's <laughs> making this a big time deal for the Pacers. He's talking it up after all of their wins. And you can tell that it obviously means a lot to him and to Indiana. And I think that has been the case with some other teams here. Yeah, it's going to be a bummer that for teams like the Raptors and the Bulls, these games are just regular season games right now, but they would be playing them anyways. So at least now they're going to be on a slightly slippery court. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and then once we get to the knockout rounds, like that's going to be really oh, yeah. exciting because at this point you're already breaking down the point differentials and the win loss records in the groups to try and figure it out. It's pretty cool to see the tournament actually having a little bit of a build here throughout the month of November. I think it's working. I I, I think it's great. I think, I think Adam Silver might have cooked with both the tournaments. <laughs> the play-in is is really fun. Like, just watching the play-in, I know the stakes are higher because you actually got to get into the playoffs, but, you know, to a neutral observer, the Raptors-Bulls last year in the play-in, another painful memory for Raptor fans involving Alex Caruso and, and Diarda <laughs> Rosen, um, was extremely fun. And I think that, yeah, you put NBA players in, like, a one-game winner-takes-all scenario, that, that's going to be great. And I'm looking forward to seeing... Um, just the reactions and how the rest of the players embrace it. I also want a, a live camera of um, what NBA players do after coming off the high of winning a championship and also everyone getting 500K in their hand in Vegas. I just want to know what everyone's <laughs> doing. Like I need like a, you know, the GQ does like how I spent my first million kind of thing. I, I want to see that, but just at the casino that night at, at the MGM Grand or whatever. Yeah, the 500K is becoming more and more of a talking point as the weeks go on. Mm. At first, it was like, oh, this is cute. 500K, what's that matter to Damian <laughs> Lillard? Cute. But then suddenly we have Damian Lillard talking about winning it for the younger guys on his team. Yeah. And now we're even starting to hear the established players, the ones who are making 
20 40 million dollars a season they're like yeah it's still five hundred thousand dollars i gotta get my hands on that yeah imagine like the last game comes down to the final possession it's like this possession is worth 500k each that's the (laughs) hardest possession anyone's gonna play all year man someone's got to do like the cash kind of thing after they make the shot or something like imagine Uh, dame hits a step back to win another key moment (laughs) i need him to hit the cash that's the celebration absolutely uh the money signs we've been talking about it a little bit on no dunks but do you guys think that whoever wins the nba cup do you think they'll raise a banner for it i think the nba will probably tell them they have to uh, we joked about it a little <laughs> yeah. bit of like, well, what if the Lakers win it, right? Like, that's so weird for the Lakers who have all won all these titles to hang a banner for the in-season tournament. But I think the NBA is probably going to be like, yeah. hey, look, if the Raptors can have banners for Atlantic Division titles, I mean. you better put the in-season tournament banner up. Adam Silver's going to make them. Yeah. No, that's that's the exact point I was going to make is that, like, why not? I think, honestly, celebrating winning is cool. Patrick Beverly jumping on that that scorer's table after the Wolves won the play-in is cool. Yeah. Like, all all we want all season is we beg for these guys to take the regular season seriously. And then when they put 500K on the line, then they do. (laughs) Like, it's great. It is great. So, um, yeah, we got to get a name for the the in-season trophy. uh, We need one for the in-season trophy, like the in-season tournament champion and an MVP. Like, I I want an in-season tournament MVP award as well um obviously there are there is an mvp there's an nba finals mvp uh trey who are you naming the in-season tournament mvp trophy after (laughs) uh do you think they keep it unnamed and then it's just named after that guy maybe uh, from here on out like maybe halliburton uh could take it down right here otherwise you got to think of players i suppose that have had incredible regular season success but have maybe coming up (laughs) The Chris little, Paul in-season in tournament MVP. Yeah, the Chris Paul award. Hey, I wasn't going to say it because he's an active guy, but uh, maybe oh. you could go Dominique Wilkins, another oh. classic, uh, you know, Charles? performer during the regular season. Charles Barkley. Yep. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Charles played great in the finals. I was not alive for that, but it was cool. I, I thought I heard Yeah, he was it. the second best player in that finals. I remember. Yeah, yeah, that's not fair. We should give him like the James Harden. It should be named after James Harden. <laughs> um, okay. okay, speaking of naming things, do you yeah. want to do the, the pancakes thing? We do want to do the pancakes okay. thing. So we have like, because obviously on No Dunks, I mean, you guys have always done all the fun storylines. Some of these you probably already have done before. Uh, but so you guys have made roast beef into a thing for rebounds. And uh, obviously wedgie for when the shot gets stuck on the rim and they got to jump it off afterwards. Um, can we make the term pancakes stick as a term for alley-oops? And, and, and Trey, we're going to play you the clip for the context here <laughs> because we have a friend from the, the Chinese mainland, which uh, he was able to explain to us a very strange nickname for Clint Capella. So here's this clip. Clint Capella is pancake mamba. In Mandarin is chibing mamba. And so the reason he called him pancake mamba is apparently in China, uh, they call an, an alley-oop a pancake. So what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? I do think it's probably an uphill climb at this point. Uh, <laughs> Ellie so seems, wow. seems to be pretty well uh, entrenched so far, but I think there's a lane uh, for pancake to catch on. Uh-huh. Because, you know, like through the 80s and 90s, probably, there were several names for a slam dunk. You know, you'd hear a dunk, a slam dunk. They used to call it a jam. They made an entire uh, video game series called NBA Jam. You never right. hear somebody talking about jams yeah, yeah, these yeah. days. You're right. 
it's possible to have synonyms for similar things. So if you want to try pancake, sure, I think it's worth a shot. I don't necessarily know that I see the correlation between an alley-oop <laughs> and a pancake. I thought you were going to tell me it's a screen assist. And then I was going to say, no Ooh. way. We don't need to give a nickname to that. Oh, <laughs> but, I kind of like that. But uh, pancake for an alley-oop, maybe it works. I like that. Okay, well, speaking of new NBA terminology, um, have you seen the 54 Trey Ball is OD shooting hang pulls tweet from Chad Oh, Of Holmes? course I have. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, okay, your reaction when you saw that. Your reaction. Did you immediately understand? Because I, I asked Garrett Temple about this earlier today at shoot-around. And Garrett Temple's 37. He's been around the league a little bit, obviously. And when I read them the tweet, he was like, oh, I know what this means. And he broke it down perfectly. So did, did you know what 54, tra 54 tray balls OD shooting hang poles meant? I 100% knew what it meant. Uh, okay. I don't think that makes me cool at all. I think it means I'm just on NBA Twitter and NBA Reddit too often to okay. know what people are saying. My biggest reaction was seeing Chet spell out O-D. O-D-E-E? -E? I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's a lot of vowels. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, O-D, I just figured it was an abbreviation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 54 on the tray ball with the O-D shooting hang pulls, that is pretty crazy when you yeah. think about it. It is. Uh, I'm going to start spelling O-G as in O-G Ananobi, O-G-E-E -E now, and see. Because <laughs> right. he's done the thing of, like, G? actually, I want you guys to use it like initials, even though... It doesn't stand for anything. Yeah. It's just short for a Gugwa. And now it's back to no no initials. It's just OG without the dots. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get OGEE -E in there in next time I file a story and see what happens. Uh, you're calling him Alonzo G. That's tough. That's, Ooh. that's, that's what I did uh, three years ago when I was down on this game. All right, Ooh. last one. Uh, well, before we actually get to something else. but So Thanksgiving. It, it's, it's American Thanksgiving. Um, I feel like saying American Thanksgiving is so funny because no American has ever said American Thanksgiving. It's such a Canadian <laughs> thing. You know? like, in reality, we have Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah. They have the real Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, there was that clip that went around, Shaden Sharp saying mac and cheese, mac and cheese, mac and cheese. And it was just a comparison. So I, I need your favorite uh, Thanksgiving that you would take over anything else, the Thanksgiving item. Number one Thanksgiving item for me, I'm allowed to just pick all pies. Because I've got so many right. leftovers in my fridge right now. You're and the only mamba. thing I'm committed, yeah, I'm pie mamba at this point. <laughs> I told uh, my wife earlier, uh, we're leaving on a trip later this week. We're leaving Sunday. I said, don't worry. The pie will absolutely be gone by the time we leave. No leftovers behind. I mean, maybe turkey sticking around. Maybe one of our four stuffings is sticking around. But the pies will be gone. 54 slices of pie is OD. All right, Trey, uh, before we let you go here, I don't really have a question off of this. I just want to fill you in. So tomorrow uh, we're all in a, a charity game at TMU here. Uh, Will and Alex are playing on a media team. I'm coaching the athletes, actually. Uh, we're all going head to head. And I just I wanted a second to reminisce about when you guys came out to the Raptors Republic five on five tournament like a decade ago. Now we played on the Raptors uh, the Raptors practice court upstairs at uh, Scotiabank Arena, which was really fun at the time because they still used it all the time. Um, man, is that like, have you have you played on the NBA court? And I guess uh, do you, you you're free to roast me in my game while we're reminiscing about that, if you'd like. <laughs> uh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that was an awesome time. And yeah, NBA courts are really cool to play in like I don't know I play pickup basketball regularly we play on a college court sometimes it's big and then you get on an NBA court and you <laughs> realize just how gigantic it is and yeah. how much space there is and just how far 
uh, NBA players are shooting when they're shooting <laughs> from the logo because the three-point line feels like a mile away compared to your standard court. That's why uh, 54 Trey yeah. Ball is OD shooting ankles. <laughs> like, actually, that's why. Look, I mean, 54 shooting is OD to begin with, yeah, yeah, but when you mix ball, in yeah. the hang poles, it seems completely insane. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Jerome, a.k.a. Black Dragon Roll, 54% OD uh, on the tray ball. I was looking at some of uh, the videos, people talking about their predictions. Yeah. Everybody except for Jerome is saying, I want to be out there like Draymond Green. I'll be rebounding. I'll be passing. I'll play defense. Yeah, but Jerome said, I'm going to be out there like Jordan Poole on the Wizards. So I know he's getting shots up. I can't wait until we're up by 10 late in the game and he's walking the dog up the court, but the <laughs> clock is still running uh, and you guys lose on a on an end of game buzzer, uh, not having uh, got a shot up, Will. Yeah, you know, I actually, I was at a little warm-up run with, uh, with Jerome yesterday and he actually did hit a hang pull. It wasn't for 54, it was something like 14. It was 14, it was 14. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he rolled up in Slack today bragging about how much he was hooping yesterday. He's like, I hope it carries over. We said, probably won't. He got three buckets max. I, I, Okay, maybe, maybe, four, maybe four, maybe four, maybe I'll give him four. All right, Trey. So you are, I mean, you, you play enough ball. You guys all play enough ball that this doesn't necessarily apply to you, but for guys like Will and Jerome and Alex. So my team that I'm coaching is not basketball players. It's athletes from other sports. And we know sometimes that coordination set doesn't really translate like from the ice to the court. Um, the, the team that Will and Alex and Jerome are on, there's more basketball experience there. They all play more than my team. But what is what should the strategy for them be? Obviously, they're not going to be able to beat us in the transition game. But how can a team of guys who hoop a lot and know basketball really well beat a team of just like athletes that I roll the ball out for? <laughs> uh, okay, I would. I don't know what the rules are, but if it's uh, if you're playing twos and ones. You got to take a two every single possession, I would say. Just tilt the math to your favor. If not, I'm saying pack the paint defensively mm -hmm. and then still shoot it every single time you're open because you're playing in a tournament for fun. Get those shots up. <laughs> if they're worth extra points, even better. Yeah. Well, Trey, appreciate you. Sorry uh, the Bulls are are what they are, but, you know, it's all good. You could celebrate American Thanksgiving with, uh, with, with friends and family and uh, – we're going to go to Raptors Bulls, all right? It's going to be a fun game tonight. Make sure you tune in. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. When we come back, Alex Wong finally gets back on air. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lewis. Joined by my Zoom call host, Blake Murphy, Alex Wong. And as we do every week on the show, we want to celebrate all those who uh, make the show possible. Uh, Alex Wong, can you tee this up for me, please? <laughs> yeah, I love how we have like a child sitting in studio. <laughs> what is this? Bring your kid to work day? No, like, like we mentioned last week, um, you know, we shouted out Danielle for helping us behind the scenes, booking Adam Silver. And, you know, for this week, you know, it was time for us to, and it's long overdue for us to show love to to our Bard op, Derek Brandale, our number one boy, the Everton Toffee Poppy. 
He hits the freeze like Dennis Schroeder, but it's the dairy freeze. The Portuguese bakery baddie, his cash all green like the head of lettuce he brings to the office. He's doing 54 drops every episode, OD board opping hang pulls. There's no sweeter mans than our producer, Derek Brandeo, been with us since day one. Derek, we bestow the chain on you. Please give it right back after five seconds. No, but Derek's been with us since day one, obviously. Um, even before that, and you know, we love Derek. Had to do a and summer of Jay's Talk a... Plus with me too. Yeah, yeah. It was your first. Uh, is this working, sir? I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're great. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, it was your first show. It was really uh, fun to do with you. It was uh, nice to watch you grow. And uh, thought I got rid of you, but no, I'm just joking. Uh, it's been awesome to have you on the show. I mean, I, I love working with all of you guys. It's really been great. And you know, I hope I add that little extra fun that you guys you know want to carry on and over bro you cheer like me up and crack me up every day man. i get I a lot of feedback on the drops like a lot of friends who who appreciate the drops i also have to say i really really appreciate you for setting a new standard so uh you brought in food from a portuguese bakery earlier so it is now established that if you are getting the chain you have to cater your own chain ceremony you got to bring in food for everyone like derek did today i set this the standard very high thank you what, what what'd you get man what'd you get for us from nova era shout out to nova era of course uh, it was just some uh, Portuguese uh, treats. Like, uh, I guess in, in English, they would be uh, shrimp croquettes and I think uh, codfish cakes, I guess, would be the closest thing to call. What What, what is it in Portuguese, though? Risois de camarão and prestes de bacalhau. Oh, man, those are my two favorite <laughs> midfielders, man. <laughs> a, a lie, man, a lie. Um, yeah, you know, shouts to you, Derek. You know, I love you. I always tell you that, um, you know, off air, but want to show love to you, so... You know, unfortunately, Jared Manitad, you know, was in consideration oh, this once week. Once again. He was. Once again. You he know how the <laughs> NBA tweets out every Monday who the player of the week is and yeah. then honorable mentions, yeah. like a huge list of players? Yeah. Also hey. receiving votes. Hey, Jared Manitad, man. Like, like I tell you, man. You, honorable you, mention. Yeah, just do your job, man. It's not about the credit. So hopefully <laughs> That's right, you man. learned another harsh lesson this week. It's not the player role, buddy. <laughs> so let's see what you bring next week, JR. Let's see what you bring to the table next week. This so. is really like when Pascal score started and they're like, like, man, one guy was a huge difference tonight, man. Without you, we couldn't have won this game. Yep. Malachi Flynn. <laughs> like, I'd be like, yeah, nah, let's go. Derek's nah. not the Malachi Flynn. Nah, 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 nah. Derek's our Garrett Temple, man. Derek's I have been Garrett working Temple. out recently. I thought you guys might know by now. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> this is so great. Yeah. Anyways, Derek, appreciate look at the you. Kit, man. Yeah, look at the kit, the Everton. Yeah. So, shout out to Derek. Please take the chain off and uh, go back upstairs and uh, yeah. give us some drops. Right, get back to your, your, so your, heavy. your the little podcast. Hold. We love you, Derek. Yeah. Thanks, we love buddy. you. So, let's track. Let's keep tracking that. So, yeah, what else is new, guys? Um, uh, well, rundown's pretty threadbare here on a Friday, brothers. It's, it's, oh, I thought you had a birthday shout outs. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday to, uh, you know, Raptor Show listener, friend of the show, Ruby, which is Mark Savelle's uh, mother in law. Hmm. Um, huge supporter of us going back. Sorry we couldn't get Sergi Baca um, to appear at uh, Mark and Adriana's wedding. Um, yeah, you really did promise that. If you guys want to celebrate an anniversary, we could work on Garrett Temple. Um, so we can work on that. Okay. And then shout out to my guy, Max Malmsby, huge Raptor Show fan as well. So those are my two shout outs. We actually did have some actual basketball content prepared oh we do uh, i could also just there are there is an nfl and nhl and nba game going on right now i could just read out the scores uh for 20 good, minutes man. what else are you gonna tell me man there's, there's traffic on the 401 eastbound yeah. um there <laughs> is, is there our, our magic hanging with the celtics right now <laughs> oh the magic are playing right now yeah 
There's are no you? time where Blake is not you? watching Yo, the, the Magic. Dedication you of can Blake. find me any time of day with our Orlando Magic game on. Oh, goodness, I'm surprised he's not behind these curtains. Right he's now. J. Cole Anthony, man. <laughs> okay, that's that's kind of wild. Um, um, yeah, we actually had some some graphics. Yeah, so so we've been teasing up this sport versus media game. That's right. Tickets um, still available, by the way. Tickets still yeah. available. Look if, it up. You, if you're looking for complimentary tickets, you know, hit that DM. Um, Stephen LeBron on IG. Um, but we're playing at the uh, Mattamy Athletic Center tomorrow. We've, uh, you know, talked about this a lot. And I know Blake, um, you know, as his diligent self, gathered <laughs> some info on, on his ops tomorrow. Um, and, uh, yeah, Blake, I'll let you, uh, take it away. Yeah. So obviously, uh, I'm, I'm coaching the other side, which is a team full of athletes, both current and past. And that has a lot of advantages, but it is not a team of basketball players. So I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm going to have to coach up the basketball knowledge. The first thing that I did was come up with scouting reports on the people on your team who I know. And that this way I could send them around. Everyone can prep and get to know you two and Jerome Chang and Lebon Osman, uh, a little better. So to do that, I created these like custom 2K cards uh, that show all your, you know, all your measurables, all your key stats. Now you guys self-evaluated for a lot of this. Mm. Um, so, you know, the places where it's mean, that's on you guys. You, you gave me I've, the info. I've, I've been told different times my self-evaluations are sometimes off. So we'll see how these go. For people that are listening on the podcast, like we'll go through these attributes. Yeah. Obviously for people watching live, they'll be able to see these card graphics uh, that Blake has put together. So let's do this. So we'll start. I believe we're starting with Will. We're going right, to start with Will's. Okay. Oh. So Will Lou. Yeah. Take me through the stats here. So, okay. So 73 uh, overall. Yeah. 73, 73 overall. That's self-evaluation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like a solid, like yeah. bench player that you may or may not put into your rotation. Yeah. Bench player <laughs> acting like a starter is what he is. Yeah. That's um, basically it. Yeah. Okay. So very low grade there on DRB, which is dribble your handle 28. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that uh, fair? Do you like the 20 is the 28? Well, what you think about the 28? I can there? do the pull aspect. I can't do the hang. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah, so 28 is very accurate. I can only dribble with my right hand. Okay. There's a play yesterday in the run with Jerome where I had to split a double team. Mm. And it was just like just getting very low with one hand, <laughs> dribbling five times you to get through that. It was still OD. Oh, uh, it, <laughs> it, was was it wasn't OD. Okay, 28. What else yeah. we got, uh, We got uh, personal fouls where Will is a 99. Oh, got you. That's I, what I, PFS is. I would is. like yeah. to chime in on this. Um, it could not get. It, it could get higher if you want. Like this guy plays like a football linebacker basically when oh, he's out there. Oh, work. But you know what? That's what I want on my squad tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm like Jakob Proto. I'm the offensive line. No, you're about to find Thanks, out. That, you know, to these athletes coming tomorrow, I'm not trying to cut a promo, but you're, yeah. about, you're about to find out what these real 94 feet is all about tomorrow when, when Will and I get on the court. <laughs> when do you ever no, man. press 94 feet? There's no you're way. You're about to man. find out. I'm about to press 28 You think it's a game? I ain't playing, man. Uh, throw that uh, graphic back up. Yeah, let's, the, let's the, the other ratings, uh, you got 75 for your passing. Hey. Uh, <laughs> a little high, a little high, a little high. Shooting volume, a little above average. Shooting accuracy, a little below average. And okay, then well, uh, a right. low fitness grade. Not that you're not in good shape, but you're not going to get back in transition. Oh, you're a no. half-court hooper, not a full-court yeah. hooper. And I think that transition game is going to be our uh, team's biggest right, edge. What's, the take, what's the take foul uh, situation tomorrow? <laughs> I'm, the, I'm a three-point line, a three-point line type of player. Yeah. 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 No, like, I'm like a, our I'm like our Barniani in his in his prime. Yeah, you're triple triple. No and then assist. at the very bottom, there's like a cat head logo. Um, it let me pick oh, one of these. Nice. It, it's just because you have cats. You. Uh, other people's are, are more specific card, to their man. game, but yeah. Got the China flag too, man. Hey man, listen. Tianjin Pappy. That's what I am. Yeah. All right, that's a pretty good one. Power yeah. forward too. I could probably see that. All right, what's the next one? Next All one right, is uh, Alex's. Alex and, and power forward is relative to who else is on your team. I have oh, an idea. Oh, this photo is sick. Got you. Yeah. So this is Alex from the Crown League. 
obviously, uh, he self-rated as a 72. It's a bit photoshopped. You're not that slim. Put him at the small forward. Yeah, this was like six years ago uh-huh. before those Big Macs hit. Uh, yeah, um, and this is, look, when I was talking to Adam Sandler the other summer and getting a scouting report uh, on Juancho Hernan Gomez, he gave me the Alex Wong scouting report and said, look, uh-huh, this yeah. guy can rebound like crazy. He hustles a lot. He's going to be active defensively, yeah. but he's a little hesitant to shoot. He's not very accurate when he shoots. Nope. Yeah. And similar to Will going left, Alex has no right hand. Yeah, the 27 for the right hand is, is yeah. super high. Yeah. yeah, I would actually dial it all the way to zero. Um, it's it's just not there. So, so if we just like exclusively yeah. <laughs> like played with your left hand <laughs> and my right hand, we'd actually have a and decent player. This is going to be the most interesting thing for me coaching-wise, I think, because yeah. one of the things I'm going to tell people is like, okay, well, you got to force Will left. you got to force Alex right yeah. mm. um, if you're the point of attack defender. But mm. and, and like obviously these people are athletic enough and have the you know the body control stuff like that to mm. do that. Yeah. But mm. do you know instinctively if you are a hockey player, or a soccer player, or a track and field person, yeah. what that looks like and what the footwork is like and right. things like that? So I'm gonna have to coach them up quick for yeah, you. But we don't no. even get a practice. We get like 15 minutes before the game for me to coach all these like, people. Up. Like I tell these athletes, man, love love your accomplishments, love your Olympic gold medals, all of that. But let's see who wants it more tomorrow. Man. Hey, listen, 41 <laughs> accuracy for Alex Wong. That's no way. It no, flipped. that should be dialed to 14, a zero as well. 14 accuracy. Also to our coaches, S and Sean Woodley, I will be checking myself in tomorrow. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> also uncoachable, know. by the way. Yeah, I think yeah. anyone who's been Coaching Alex's... cancer, 98. <laughs> anyone who's been Alex's boss will tell you that. Ability but, uh... to collaborate, zero. <laughs> All right, let's see. Lebon, I think, is next. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, so he's got a... He... Gave himself a, a rating of seventy-eight, which is the okay. highest. Which is yeah. the highest anyone gave. So I also gave I him a lied. seventy-eight in confidence. He riding, man. He yeah, riding on that funny. rating. Is oh, uh, a ninety-one in trash talk. Okay. What? He said he's a big trash talker out there. Okay, I've never heard him offend no, he, anybody. He was humping okay. a puppy after forty minutes yesterday. He had yeah. no breath. Well, he's got talking. a thirty-nine rating for running there, yeah, so yeah, that yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. He Goldilocks, uh, you know, about average <laughs> defensively, above yeah. average b-ball IQ, and then a ninety-nine in the poutine rating, I like which that. is uh, there, I like that. There is hot food available at yeah. the game at the don't event. Don't tell him that. I'd man. imagine he's going to have some on the bench. Yeah. No, don't tell him that. This is going to mess us Last up. Last week we unveiled the Puzma nickname. He Puzma. But P-O-U. <laughs> Lee Ben, we also got a chance to hoop with him for the first time last night. Yeah. He legit hoops like he's from the 80s. He, he hoops like Clyde Drexler. Yeah, he, well, his hairline's yeah. like Clyde Drexler. Oh, I think that's the biggest takeaway. But yeah, man, salute to, salute to him. 78, I mean, I can see it. He's the youngest probably on the team. So. Uh, why are you lying? I don't see it. Lee Ben's okay. a 68. <laughs> you don't have to be nice. This okay. guy's like, ooh, what, what, what? he's clean. <laughs> all right, uh, Jerome's the last one here. Okay. Jerome Chang, a.k.a. Black Dragon Roll. Okay, all right. Is that my arm? Uh, yeah, it might be. Um, I don't know. So I just went on your... Uh, no, I love that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, he's got a, an 87 for confidence. He told me he is an irrational confidence shooter. He'll yes. just keep shooting, he even really if he's is, not yeah. very effective. But he's a good shooter. Oh, he actually is a okay. good shooter. I like him. Yeah, yeah I mean, shooter. he does have a, a pretty good volume and accuracy rating there. Certainly yep. the highest on the, the team for you guys. Mm-hmm. Although, I do wonder, even though he says that about the shooting confidence, he did self-grade the lowest overall mark of any of you mm. at 68. He so. is the most humble out of the four. I mean, so we're it going by actual 2K rankings, I might be an eight. Okay. So. <laughs> um, this, guy, so. this guy, Kobe. And then Jerome has a, a poor 
rating for size, not yeah. the greatest handle, but he does have a 99 in the metric AAI, which uh -huh. is acute asthma index. Oh, oh, no. Oh, goodness. Yo, I want you, Black Dragon Roll, I want you to take this personal. Yo, yo, keep I your, want, you know what, he's take, the one who told it to me. I, I, Jerome, I want you to go Kibo Sushi on them tomorrow, Ooh, okay? What, what does that even Because he's Black Dragon Roll. Oh. So he got to go Kibo. That's yeah. tough. Wow. He Kibo Brian. That's Kibo D. <laughs> I want to see the Kibo <laughs> system tomorrow, my brother. Oh, wow. Let's go. No, I'm excited, man. I'm actually, I am excited. I'm excited and I'm also nervous. Here's the thing. I take all sports really seriously. No, when, when we step out yeah. there, we are going to take it really seriously. Person. I am planning on fouling out in six minutes. I will get dirty. And all athletes, is gonna, they're going to feel it. They're going to feel it out there. No no layups tomorrow, man. You got plantar fasciitis and you're 39. You got to relax a little bit. By the way, sorry. Yeah, I've been talking. I, I listened to a lot of DMX today, so I got really hyped. My bad. Yeah. It is a, <laughs> it's only a 32-minute game, like four, yeah. eight-minute quarters, so... Fouling out could be tough. Running clock, or are they they gonna stop? I think they're gonna okay, do it Jordan proper. Poole, relax. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we're playing real rules. Okay. Uh, okay. Are you excited? Well, you know, I know you did all this up for the players, but for you, like, are you excited to to be coaching this tomorrow? Yeah. Like, what, what's your I've What's your plan? I've coached a lot of baseball and a little okay. bit of hockey right. before, but I've never coached mm -hmm. basketball other than like I was injured during my senior year of high school and like kind of helped and you know, right? You know. In Cambridge, Ontario, there are not great basketball coaches. So we all just mm -hmm. kind of like downloaded plays off the internet and, and tried to run that in practice and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I haven't done a lot of basketball coaching. Excited to see how this goes. Really, really fascinated generally to see what it looks like, especially in a full court game. If it was a half court game, I'd be kind of worried about our side where you know, the basketball IQ mm. and things like that. And just having played a lot and played together a little bit can take you so far. Whereas in a full court game, I think it tilts back to us having athletes and people who are, you know, currently playing sports, even if there's not a lot of, um, like, I think only one person on my team actually plays basketball. Right. Mm. There are some hockey players, track and field, soccer, yeah. things like that. I, so, think, I think you're overestimating your concern about that in terms of, like, their last of, lack of, like, basketball experience. They're just better athletes yeah. than us. We're about to get crushed. But like, I'm not going to lie. I was making it up and down three times on that court, and I was like, no, no more fast breaks for me. I'm going to trail. I'm, I'm going to trail the play. Here's the thing. <laughs> S and Woodley are, are coaching you guys. Yeah. You can buy some of my timeouts off of me if you guys are really huffing and puffing that bad. I, I don't that's not an area I have concern. My team mm. being able to uh stay in, in good cardio shape. I'm gonna, get in, a, I'm gonna get in a ref's face too tomorrow. <laughs> it's gonna be chaotic. Not, last time I was at the Raps Republic tournament, I actually got a technical foul. This man's the first guy ever to get a technical in a three on three like is, friendly type tournament. He came out a couple years ago and filled in on my uh TSSC league. So just like the Toronto oh, yeah, run, yeah, 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 yeah. it's it's competitive, but not really that competitive. It's four-on-four co-ed that year yeah. is what I was playing mm. in. And Will came out because we were short people. Yeah. And it's no call layups. your own fouls, and no one keeps track of fouls. Yeah. And I still thought Will was going to foul out. Yeah, yeah. Listen, no layups. At least it was no against layups, Eric Kareen's team, though. So I appreciated the, the like spiciness. <laughs> no layups, man. <laughs> also, my, by the my way, my favorite thing in that league was was upsetting Eric or Dan Reynolds, who was on my team. By oh, the way, if yeah. you if you civilians have nothing better to do tomorrow, sportversusmedia.com/slash/watch/live, I believe is everything the, uh, goes to benefit MLSE yes. Foundation as well as um, Krina and the rest of her team. This is their like big project for uh, the the semester. So this yeah. is, I think, actually, like they're they're kind of um, culminative 
project yeah, for, for the entire yeah. uh, program. Sportversusmedia.com slash watch live. If you're yeah. not going to be there and you want to live stream, definitely pull all the clips. No, no, and no. Stuff. I'm going to be mic'd up the whole game. Oh, that's amazing. I got to uh, I got to get in like PG mode we'll, tomorrow we'll, before the game. Will I, and I were joking that if we got mic'd up, you would just hear heavy breathing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is all you would hear. Oh, no, legit. legit. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, I got I got one request. Swing it. <laughs> I got one request, uh, and it's to Mr. Moments, Raptors Moments. I, I know you watch the show diligently. Looking at you, Mr. Moments. Just some mercy, please, in advance. It's going to no, look bad for all of clip us. Clip everything, man. No, brother. Yeah, clip he's, everything. he's going to be, his primary focus will be what I'm doing with my hands on the sideline. That person is obsessed with the fact that when I do TV, I don't really know what to do with my hands. And sometimes all <laughs> what, of them. What do you do with your hands on TV? I mean, I have started now, when I, especially when I'm doing the stand-ups, okay. I'll start like this because I'm a big oh, okay. hand talker. Yeah, so, okay, like, yeah. if I'm. If I'm just standing there waiting to talk, they're kind of just like right. down at my side. I guess I have the tendency to make it look like like my hands are like ready to pounce. Right, um, got you. Anyway, hand Raptors talker. moments is a. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big mouth talker, man. Yeah, um, yeah Tyler hands, bro. <laughs> Sorry. All right, guys. Uh, it's real, real bare in the rundown. No, That's it's good, not. Man. It's time for Between the Lines. <laughs> Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Woo! Take a chance. Jeez. Will, the Toronto Raptors are five-point favorites tonight. Yep. The over-under is set at 217.5. Okay. We're coming off a game, Raptors-Pacers, where it was the highest over-under for a Raptors game that we have data for, which mm. goes back to the late 90s. Uh, and they cleared it comfortably. However... The last time these two teams play, they only combined for 207 points, and that was with overtime. Yep. If it ended in regulation, it would have been the third lowest scoring game of the entire NBA season. Uh, the Raptors and Bulls have both had, as I mentioned to Trey, some of the lowest scoring games on the season mm -hmm. uh, separately and then certainly uh, together. So minus five, 217.5 couple injury notes. Zach Levine, questionable with yep. a mid-foot sprain. Kobe White was added to the injury report after shoot-around this morning with a sore ankle. And then on the Raptors side, Precious Achua and Thad Young uh, both remain questionable. Yeah. Um, I can report that Precious and Thad were at least, like, part of their – the Raptors have a get-ready team. So it's like a mix of, like, players who aren't playing that much, usually third-stringers, and then some assistant coaches. And so they had a little scrimmage today before okay. at shoot-around. While we're waiting to talk to Garrett, Garrett was in that too, and um, yeah, that that impression's played. Okay, so you know, that's a that's a promising sign if you want to go in that direction. I, you know what's funny to me is the last time Raptors played the Bulls was also after they played OKC, and then they have like a big like players only meeting afterwards. They were like, yes. man, whatever. The first game of the season, they had yes, players only. Yes, and then like two games later, they played the Raptors or something like that. Um, the Bulls are coming off a game where they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> Yeah. Once again, in a, in a bit of a lopsided game. Before With that, no Zach Levine in that one, but still. Yeah, so, like, I think there's obviously going to be this urge from Chicago to bounce back. I do wonder, like, what the mood is in that locker room, right? Mm -hmm. Do they really want to be bouncing back? But at the same time, I, I, I think I still see a lot of the advantages that the Raptors have in this one. Raptors have big forwards who can establish their presence and hopefully, you know, take advantage of some of Chicago's guards. Now, if Kobe White doesn't play maybe you have one less guy to attack at the same time. He was also a lot of their scoring in that, mm -hmm. in that game. So they've also, they've tried yeah. to help with the Kobe white situation by Alex Crusoe has started next to him. Now, since okay. we last saw them, Crusoe's moved into the starting lineup. Patrick Williams has come out of the starting lineup. Williams started last game because uh, Zach Levine was out, but he had even lost his starting spot first to Tory Craig mm -hmm. and then to Alex Crusoe. So they are trying to make sure that Kobe white has some additional help. Right. In the backcourt there, um, overall, 
This is the number 18 ranked defense, mm-hmm. the Chicago Bulls. They're ninth in the half court, though. It's really just be better. They were really good defensively last year, and yeah. I thought they had actually carved out that identity for themselves under Billy Donovan, but this year, as you mentioned, they're slipping. Yeah. They're, so. they're very poor in transition, as you might expect for a slower team, and then they will give you, like, again, I've said this a couple times recently because a couple opponents play this way, but those, like, short mid-range jumpers that Dennis can get into, the elbow kind of floaters that Gary can get into, even Pascal's, you know, post package where he doesn't get to the rim but has little, like, eight-foot fadeaways, the Bulls will give those up because they'll have Vooch drop back and protect around the rim um, because that's their only means of protecting the rim. He's not going to, you know, bounce up and turn away shots, nor is Drummond off the bench. Yeah. I think... For me, I think I could see the Raptors leading a lot in this one, and then the Bulls making some sort of comeback. Mm. And so the opposite of what we're used to now. Honestly, it's just you know I'm not really going to be able to relax watching Raptors play the mm-hmm. Bulls, um, especially after the play, and especially after what happened in Game Two of the season here uh, for the Raptors. But um, I think I you know will probably do the same thing, and I'll pick the Raptors once again. I actually think offensively might be a little bit more open than what two seventeen suggests, but ultimately, yeah, it's 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 a it's difficult, but it's always nice having DeMar back in the building. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it's a school night, so DeArdo Rosen not making this trip. No yelling, all right? It's not a school night. It's Friday. Oh, okay. What is a school night? I thought that's a night where you got to go to school, no? The next morning. The next morning. Oh, okay, got you. So, no, you have no to be Chinese in bed at a reasonable Rosen, time. Because that's uh, what I did every Saturday morning. Uh, so, the, the yeah. DeMar thing is interesting. Uh, last game, he had 33-4-3 and three in yeah. that game that went to overtime. Uh, in the playing game, he had 23-7-3. and three. So, pretty good, two pretty good games. By the way, playing stats just, like, don't exist. If you go on someone's... Yeah, it's like, hard to find. Yeah, yeah you have to, I had to search out 2023 Bulls-Raptors play-in box score to find yeah. the box score. It doesn't exist on, like, anyone's basketball reference page or anything like that. Um, but last year in three regular season games, over three games, he only totaled 42, 11, and 11. The Raptors did a really nice job on him yeah, last year right. in the regular season. Well, OG um, is back, which was, was a big part of why the Raptors lost that game mm-hmm. was that OG left that one. He fouled out or he got injured? What happened? Yeah, I think Forgot that was the game he got hurt in. Yeah, regardless. Like, yeah, he was having cramps. Yes. Yes, he was having cramps. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I still think the Raptors, especially at home, you know, you should take this. But the Raptors are hard to predict these days, you know? Like, they, they get down early, and then uh, they fight back sometimes, and sometimes they don't. But uh, uh, One thing to note, yeah. in terms of if you have if you get down and you have to come back in this one, the Bulls never turn the ball over. That's That's been the sure. case for okay. every team DeMar plays on because he has the ball in his hands the most, and he is just not going to turn it over. Um, so your, your ability to come back against this team – is there because they don't score very well, um, but they're decent half court, uh, half court defense, and they don't turn the ball over to let you get the transition game going. That was between the lines. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we got about a minute here. Gonna bring Alex back into this conversation. What was your favorite part of this week on the show, man? You know, we do twenty segments a week nowadays. So, you had a favorite segment, Alex? Um, just a couple of days, I was able to just be off air. Um. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Mac and cheese. No, that was a fun segment. The Chinese nickname segment was fun. Um, yeah. This, what about you, brother? The hoop talk wasn't it for you. No, I love hoop talk. You know I oh, love hoop listen, talk, bro. Honestly, it's always great chopping up with Matt, man. I think uh, for people no, I love who Matt. don't know Matt We never Devlin get enough time. We never get enough time with Matt, I feel a, like. we always run out of time. Yeah. But every time he comes in, I'm like, damn, this is how a real professional no, does you, it. Like, 
I take you, notes, man, when he comes in. I'm you serious. Don't, you don't understand. Like, yeah. I, I obviously walked Matt out. Uh, apologies to uh, OMP security. I've had to do some illegal things the last few days to some get guests. tailgating guessing. is what's going to happen. My bad. Take away my badge. Um, but, like, um, yeah, Matt was giving me career advice out there off air, man. So oh, yeah? It's, like, we, we joke oh, about... He looks out for people. We have joke really cool. about this on air, about the, oh, Matt, talk to Will, like, you know, tell Will to calm down after they lose to the Blazers on a Monday. But, like, Matt is... A wealth of like you know wisdom yeah. and advice, and we appreciate that. I didn't always. get to ask him about it today, but that's also a two-sport broadcaster. Yeah, which is, uh, yeah relevant. He, he Bo Jackson, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, hard. Like, real quickly, you, <laughs> real quickly, Derek, you, get you, back you, down you got here. a favorite segment from this week? Me? Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't, the one I wasn't on. Two oh, K cards. Yeah. Uh, no, the Garrett Temple interview was really good. Oh, was, well, Dennis you. was good this week, but he's good every week. The Garrett yeah, Temple really interview is really fun. We're really blessed, but uh, we're out of time for today for this week. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to Situation. the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Thanks once again to Garrett Temple, Matt Devlin, Trey Kirby, producer and co-host Alex Trey Wong, Ball, Blake Murphy, <laughs> our board producer Derek Brandeo, uh, Frank Baraska, David Sis, Jeremy, and Ted. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>